0: you are listening to the third turn podcast and its ongoing conversation on long-term leadership your hosts are kristen evenson and markel vincent Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Third Turn Podcast. It's our 30th episode, and it's happening on the heels of having celebrated our one-year anniversary last episode. Um, So, again, congratulations, and thank you, Mark, for all that we've experienced in the last year, all the great guests.
1: It's been a lot of fun.
0: It really has, hasn't it? I was just saying, to have a chance to... I don't know, push pause on actually doing things and listen and have conversations with thoughtful leaders who can help inform us and our listeners about third-turn dynamics has just been super meaningful for me. Yeah. So today we're going to move from all the hullabaloo of celebrating our anniversary to getting really practical. And gosh, I really love the topic today and how practical it is to leadership and life. Because we're going to be talking about how to navigate polarities. And heaven knows, I think we can all pretty quickly dial into the fact that we're living in a time when polarities are very obvious and pretty highly charged. We've certainly been living through a lot of that politically and in the context of the pandemic, racially. So there's a lot of cultural dynamics at play that hit us personally in our life. Um, But also in leadership, we've been hearing with our cohort participants that there can be these polarities that very quickly can develop. And so I love the fact that this, I hope, will be helpful to all of us in both our leadership and our life and very practical to that. And you, I'm going to kind of pass it off to you, Mark, because our guest is a colleague and longtime friend of yours. So introduce and give us a little context for today.
1: I'll be happy to. Phil Berge is a longtime colleague and is one of the partners in Design Group International. And I'll say a little bit more about that in just a second. Let's just go to the subject that he's going to be talking about. He's talking about polarities, as you said, and it comes from the idea that we can get stuck two different ways. We can get stuck thinking, I've chosen a solution and nothing should break after I've chosen the solution. Like, here's the way forward. This is what I want. Why isn't it working? And it's often because there's a tension on the other side that we failed to see. And because we didn't account for that tension on the other side, what would be the opposite end of the polarity? It's surprising us. And that becomes a problem. That's one way to get stuck. A second way to get stuck is when we see both of the ends of the polarity and we don't know what to do. And we kind of seize up. Let's get more information. Let's find out what other people think. What did other people try? And we end up playing both of those sides to try and discover what the right solution can be when there isn't one at all. It's a matter of managing against both of those sides so that you can move forward, almost like you're walking up a wall. With like a door frame, with a hand on one side and a hand on the other, and you're trying to get up there, counter opposing forces, and we can't be stuck in that way. Well, Phil Berge spent a lot of time studying this, and he recently launched a podcast called Leadership Meets Life. It's right on the designgroupinternational.com website, or along with this one, the Third Turn podcast. And he's doing such an excellent job with these 20 minutes, let me describe this for you, let me show you how this works, that we wanted to feature a rebroadcast of that. So we've chosen episode two, where he talks about polarities and gives a lot of resources so that people who are in this later stage of leadership that we're working with in the Maestro Level Leaders cohorts and with this podcast— can have a little bit more insight into what they're developing or needing to develop and the leaders coming behind them. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to manage polarities also. So that's why we thought this would be such a great one to put in front of our audience.
0: Yes. And I have long been an observer throughout my consulting career and work with organizations and have become not just an observer, but a believer that at strategic junctures, especially polarities and conflicts, emerge about what is the way forward and what to change and what needs to be protected and how to navigate all of that. And when we're in the midst of it, Mark, I think you would echo this, but when we're in the midst of it, it's just conflict. And we, we sometimes can lack the objectivity that is needed to see, to step back and see the bigger picture of the polarities that are in play and do some really good hard work around navigating those. So our, my hope too, is that today we can bring some of that objective perspective that a lot of our listeners might say, oh my word, I am right in the middle of that right now. And we can give them a dose of objectivity to bring to those situations that can help us in our leadership, navigate them better for ourselves and our organizations as well as others.
1: I agree with you. And in just a moment, we're gonna come back from a break and we're going to hear from Phil Bergie.
0: Are you a business leader or owner who's beginning to think about how and when and what succession might look like for you and your organization? If so, Maestro Level Leaders was designed with you in mind. This peer-based leadership journey helps leaders set aside intentional, proactive time to explore and map what succession, sustained organizational success, and legacy looks like in each leader's unique life and organizational context. Our next cohort kicks off in January and is forming now. So if this sounds helpful for you or someone you know, and you'd like to learn more, please go to maestrolevelleaders.com and complete the form there to start a conversation.
1: You're listening to the Third Turn Podcast, and we are featuring today a rebroadcast of episode two of the Leadership Meets Life podcast, featuring Philip C. Berge, who is a colleague of mine and has developed this podcast as a part Of what design group international is offering to executive leaders who intend to keep growing and so the third turn podcast is one and the leadership meets life podcast is the newest feature of these podcasts that design group international is making available we are really pleased to give you this opportunity to hear Philip berge speak
2: about polarities welcome to the leadership meets life podcast hi i'm your host phil berge Every other week I'll be challenging you to connect action and wisdom on your leadership journey. Each podcast features a leadership tool or approach to apply immediately to your work and life, drawing from my experiences as a business owner, a nonprofit executive, an educator, a process consultant, and executive coach. If you'd like to dig deeper, you can find these episodes and more on leadershipmeetslifepodcast.com. Join me as I bring a little theory Some humor and tons of results-oriented wisdom served up in less than 20 minutes while you exercise, drive, or whenever you're ready to grow. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Phil Berge, and I'm excited to share this second episode of the Leadership Meets Life podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at navigating polarities and looking at how polarities in work and life can drive us apart and make us less productive, or how they can help us overcome significant obstacles and allow us to function at our best. So let's get started. Today, we'll take a look at polls. Now, when you think of Poles, you likely think of something a flag sits on top of, or you think of lovely folks from that country between Germany and Belarus, or you think of the North and South Poles near where the earth spins on its axis. When I was a kid in church, I remember playing with small magnetic dogs. I believe they were a pair of black and white Scotties. It's my first memory of magnets and how they either attract or repel, depending which pole is put next to which pole. Fast forward three or so decades to a family business I did some consulting with a number of years ago. The CEO asked me to help him with his senior leaders because, in his words, I need some help with my team, he said. Some of them, especially Jennifer and George, seem like polar opposites. They always seem at odds when they're making decisions. And worse, he said, I don't seem to be able to help them. Now, the CEO, whom we'll call Carl, was what the late Rabbi Edwin Friedman would have called a peacemonger or appeaser. Let's just say Carl didn't enjoy dealing with conflict on his team. He was more of a spoke and hub guy, and he tried to work out issues one-on-one with his team members rather than, let's say, referee a wrestling match during team meetings. So the team learned that they couldn't expect Carl to help them with their interdepartmental conflicts. Carl tried, of course, you know, a year or, or so before I was called in. Over the course of several months, Carl had fired two department heads because he was so tired of what he referred to as their complaining and bickering about each other. Well, Jennifer and George were never big fans of each other. But after they were both promoted by Carl and were now heading up two different departments, their relationship even worsened. Carl asked me to sit in on a few meetings, and I I quickly saw what he was talking about. So let's review. CEO Carl, who doesn't like conflict, had members of his team who didn't get along. Over time, one department head and then the other were moved on, but the problems still persisted. Hmm, two different department heads and still getting a similar conflict pattern. What's going on here? Is this an HR problem hiring the wrong managers? Is Carl the problem? Well, maybe. But there's probably something deeper going on here. You experienced senior leaders or any of you astute observers of systems aren't surprised to hear this story. Duh, you say, there's an underlying structural problem that's pitting the two department heads against each other. In the case of my client company, that's exactly what was the main challenge. Some coaching with Carl to help him learn how to confront issues in real time during team meetings helped, but the larger learning came when Carl realized that the system he inherited from his father in this family business was really a case of structural misalignment. You know, lack of alignment in organizational structure accounts for a majority of the interpersonal conflicts that I see in most companies and organizations. In a future Leadership Meets Life podcast, we'll look at using psychologist Murray Bowen's theory of family systems to better understand organizational conflict in work and life. But today, I'd like to introduce you to an approach called Navigating Polarities. There was a recent article in the Harvard Business Review called Six Leadership Paradoxes for the Post-Pandemic Era, which I'll link in the program notes of this podcast episode. Now, in that HBR article, the authors point out what they call leadership paradoxes that have been made even more pronounced due to the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that we've been surviving. I'll list the six that they name, these six paradoxes, and then I'll quickly comment on each one before tying it into the notion of this navigating polarities. Now you'll notice quickly that each of the six that I'll name pairs an adjective with a noun. And here are the six. Strategic executor, humble hero, Tech-savvy humanist, traditioned innovator, high-integrity politician, globally-minded localist. So each of the six quickly. Strategic executor, big-picture strategy, combined ability to interpret strategy into skilled execution and to see it through. The second one, humble hero. Willing to take bold and courageous steps in uncertain times while acknowledging what they don't know, and doing so while surrounding themselves with people who have different skills, backgrounds, and perspectives. Thirdly, tech-savvy humanist. Capacity to understand the technology landscape enough to ask insightful questions on behalf of the company While paying attention to how tech is impacting and may impact in the future the well being of their people. Fourth, traditioned innovator, grounded in legacy, values, and purpose with as much clarity as ever, while staying open to experimentation, quick fails and learning, and value creation. Fifth, high integrity politician. Trust, reliability, and constructive candor lay the groundwork for savvy networking, successful negotiating, and partnership building. And sixth, globally-minded localist. Today's digital village requires a world of awareness while being responsive to individual customers and local communities and economies. The authors summarize these six leadership paradoxes by saying, and I quote The digital age and the magnitude of the transformation that is needed requires that leaders build on their strengths and expand their aperture to manage the complex world we're living in. We believe those leaders who have the humility, courage, and commitment to reinvent themselves will become the champions of the digital age, end of quote. A few years ago, my design group international colleague, Mark Vincent, and I worked with USA Swimming in Colorado Springs on a process consulting engagement that dealt with governance matters and organizational alignment in that associational system. USA Swimming has four levels of structure, national, regional, local, and club. The purpose of USA Swimming, in a nutshell, is actually a dynamic tension. It's a polarity that ties together two poles. On the one hand, to have as many kids as possible learning to swim, no matter their ability. And secondly, while also sending the very best elite swimmers to the Olympics. If you were spending many millions of dollars to get as many kids as possible in the pool simply to learn how to swim and become better humans. Without regard to swimming prowess, you might spend the money one way. If, however, you were spending millions of dollars training elite swimmers to be the very best and to compete with the best in the world, you would surely spend money another way. Thus the challenge. If, as a parent, I want little Elsa or little Sven simply to know how to swim, and it becomes obvious that swimming may not be their strongest asset, I want programming focused for my kid. If, however, I've seen enough evidence that little Elsa or little Sven have already demonstrated a deep love of swimming and happen to have a persistence to improve at anything they attempt, I'd like a chance for my kid to travel and be challenged at the highest levels available in the competitive swimming world. So is there a third way? At their best, all four levels of USA Swimming, from national to the local clubs, hold in dynamic tension the two poles such that by getting as many kids as possible in the pool as early in life as possible, that little Jenny or little Jaime have a chance to find out that they are indeed Olympic-level swimmers. Or if they now simply know how to keep from drowning and enjoy lifelong swimming for recreation, I'm a very happy parent. Which brings us to an approach and a tool I believe you'll find quite helpful where your leadership meets life. In 1992, Barry Johnson wrote a very helpful book called Polarity Management, and I commend it to you. Standing on Johnson's shoulders, so to speak, authors Kelly Lewis and Brian Emerson developed an elegant model for what they called navigating polarities in their book by that name, which I've linked in the program notes. The subtitle using both and thinking to lead transformation. It leverages the kinds of paradoxes we've already looked at briefly in this podcast. So now in this second half of this podcast I'll do a flyover of the navigating polarities model so you can put it into practice. First, let's be clear how authors Emerson and Lewis define a polarity. A problem they they say is a question or a puzzle that needs to be solved. In contrast to a problem, however, a polarity is, quote, a situation in which two interdependent and seemingly contradictory states must be maintained for success over time. Now, I'll say that again, this time substituting the word positions for the word states. And it sounds like this, and I quote, a situation in which two interdependent and seemingly contradictory positions must be maintained for success over time, end of quote. Using that definition, the authors begin by drawing your attention to your breath. We breathe in and we breathe out. We breathe in and we breathe out. If we don't, of course, we have a problem. Inhaling and exhaling are not a problem to solve, but rather a polarity we manage. And it's a polarity that our body normally manages automatically for us. We inhale to take oxygen into the body, and we exhale to release carbon dioxide from the body. This vital process we do many thousands of times a day is technically called gas exchange, but that conjures up too many other body processes to dwell on. So I prefer inhale and exhale. Actually, when our lungs suck oxygen into our bodies, it's also called inspiration. And lungs expelling carbon dioxide from our bodies is called expiration. And that exchange cycle of gas, shall we say, is called respiration. But I shy away from that language, too, because I don't like the idea of expiring for obvious reasons. And the notion of respiration sounds too close to perspiration. And as someone who sweats easily, I'm not a fan. Anyway, let's move away from sophomoric terminology and back to our elegant model. Well, it's easy to see how inhaling and exhaling are a polarity we manage too much of either pole does create a problem. We inhale, our lungs fill with air, and our body benefits from the oxygen. And as we inhale, the body takes the oxygen and turns it into carbon dioxide or CO2, which of course is poisonous to us. Keep inhaling instead of exhaling also, and we end up with too much CO2 in our system getting lightheaded or or worse. The very action, inhaling, that benefits our body becomes a problem through overuse. Now, of course, the same thing happens with the exhale pole. We exhale to rid our body of the CO2 that has now accumulated, but keep exhaling and exhaling, and the beneficial pole that rid the body of poison means we're not bringing in new oxygen. Each pole needs the other to be beneficial to the body as a whole. And each pole can be detrimental to the body when overused. So we breathe proportionately in and out, in and out, in and out. Remember the author's definition of a polarity, and I quote again a situation in which two interdependent and seemingly contradictory states or positions must be maintained for success over time. End of quote. And so the cycle goes on. And thankfully, our body helps us navigate this polarity with really no thought on our part. This example from our body is how all polarities work. To quote Emerson and Lewis, when we focus on a pole, we get lots of good things in the short term, which we call benefits. But if we focus our attention there too long and ignore the other pole, the positive state created by the benefits turns bad and we get the overuses of that pole, end of quote. So no matter the polarity, focus on each pole for the benefit that pole brings. That is to say, focus on both poles to the benefit of the whole and it works. However, allow one pole to go into overuse and the benefits of that overused pole negatively impacts the whole. Let's quickly look at at a few other examples now that you have the concept. Candor and diplomacy as two poles that's a polarity candor and diplomacy the benefits of candor include helping others you know to know your view it's also fast and it's to the point the benefits of diplomacy include strong relationships and the quality of listening and learning but overuse candor and you're not actually listening and learning which will actually alienate others overuse diplomacy and your opinion or view doesn't even make it on the table And it can be a slow and laborious way to communicate. Let's take another polarity, structure and flexibility. Benefits of structure include predictability and control, ease of use. Benefits of flexibility include creativity and adaptability. But overuse structure and you limit creativity and end up with rigidity. On the other hand, overuse flexibility and you struggle with enough consistency. And it can spiral actually into chaos. So, in the words of Emerson and Lewis again, quote, when viewed through its overuses, any poll looks wrong, end of quote. Now, I promised that my podcast episodes stay inside of 20 minutes, but have much more to share about this elegant navigating polarities model, including understanding what the authors call suffering paradox and comparing that with what they call navigating paradox. You'll be interested in learning about that. So I'll be continuing this conversation and expanding on how to use this navigating polarities model in next week's blog, which is equally spaced between my every other week episodes of Leadership Meets Life podcast. So be sure to check out my blog at leadershipmeetslifeblog.com. In that blog post, we'll also look at exactly how our identity tends to get linked to either one or the other pole in a polarity based on a number of variables. And we'll look at what the authors call the third way and what they also call the vulnerability through way. As tools for successfully navigating polarities. Circle all the way back, remember our story of CEO Carl at the beginning of the episode trying to work with department heads Jennifer and George? Well, the progress made in that process consulting engagement a few years ago was made by recognizing and to state the obvious that all departments need to play their role and that if the company or organization is to succeed, the strengths of each department must be permitted to make their contribution to benefit the whole. Conversely, any department that is overused or overfunctioning to the detriment of any other department will negatively impact the health of the whole. You know, earlier we talked about the six adjectives paired with six nouns as a way of describing key post-pandemic leadership paradoxes, and I'll repeat them now, and you'll notice that they coincide with what Emerson and Lewis call the third way, where you're holding both poles in tension. And here they are again, strategic executor, humble hero, tech-savvy humanist, traditioned innovator, high-integrity politician, and globally-minded localist. So how might you apply this notion of navigating polarities to your leadership and life? Well, first of all, keep breathing in and out, in and out. And think of that breathing polarity as you ponder some of your leadership and life struggles. Watch for polarities. What does each pole bring as benefits? How can you use the benefits of each pole While avoiding the overuse of any one poll, talk with your colleagues, your coworkers, or life partners about navigating polarities. Chances are pretty good there's a connection between navigating polarities and your relationships with people in your work and life. So I highly recommend that you pick up this affordable and very readable resource in print or digital format, Navigating Polarities How to Use Both and Thinking. To lead transformation. And as always, I'll invite you to turn my podcast and blog series into a conversation. But let me know your questions or ideas or ahas from today's episode that surfaced for you. And I leave you with this one last question What two words best describe a vexing polarity in your work or life right now? And then what will you commit to do to begin limiting a poll's overuse? in order to get more benefit from the other pole. And would you do me a favor, share this podcast with a friend or two. And, and if you haven't already, please subscribe and journey with me where leadership meets life.
0: Wow. So, okay, Mark, I just found that really provocative and yeah, very thought provoking. And how about if we could just kind of kick off by each sharing a couple Top line takeaways we had from that? I actually had three. My first was, gosh, when he talked about from the Harvard Re- Business Review article that, you know, in this post pandemic era, it's important to be leaders who can navigate these polarities. And uh, my initial reaction, just as a leader, you know, these polarities live in one body as a leader. But I really liked where he netted out that, or the article netted out that with a belief that humility, courage, and commitment to reinvent ourselves as leaders is going to be the difference maker in this post-pandemic era. And it just reminded me of uh, conversations we're having in our cohort with our cohort participants, that there is this need to reinvent ourselves, to lean into new areas. Um, And it can feel overwhelming and kind of challenging, but the camaraderie to be able to do that So those dots connected for me in a really helpful, meaningful way. A second thing was, I love the the definitions of problem versus polarity, super helpful and clarifying. Mm -hmm. And I just was reminded in my own three turns, my own leadership chapters, in my first turn, I for sure had a tough time even seeing polarities. I mean, I think most people at that stage, at that early stage of leadership and life, it's an either or proposition. We literally have to mature and grow into being able to hold polarities in a really helpful way. And so I was just reminded of that and reminded that you know I develop the bandwidth to wait for the third way, to to let those polarities be in in seeming opposition and conflict, and then have the patience to kind of wait for the third way or the integration to open up. And then the third thing for me was, yeah, I just think that's such a magical moment when polarities are in conflict and yet in situations where I've been facilitating or I've been leading and we somehow give them space and time and there is this integrated third way, both and peace that opens up. I just I'm kind of a junkie for that. That's just a magical moment when those things kind of come together. So those Mm -hmm. were my three top line takeaways. Yeah. How about you?
1: Well, I've listened to this particular podcast several times now, and have the privilege of talking with Phil about it on a number of occasions, and I was with him in that project where we were working with USA Swimming, and so I got to live that, Mm -hmm. and even still, I kind of stop, and my mind starts running when he brings up breathing, Hmm. inhale and exhale, that there's this physiological involvement of stopping and breathing personally so that you can actually start managing a similar rhythm organizationally Mm. that it interrupts the run to something, which means you're not going to consider it and you're going to miss stuff. So you stop, you take in, slow your processes down, you exhale, and then you're going to do that structurally as well. Let's take stock Mm -hmm. of where we are. Let's make sure we've seen it. And now let's act. I'll I'll probably say more about that in a minute when we're talking about some other polarities that we might see. But just if we want to manage polarities better, mm-hmm. <laughs> the best things we can do is concentrate on our breathing. That mm-hmm. just really grabs me.
0: That just, yeah. I mean, brain science backs that up. When we experience conflict and we ex- we do experience conflict as threat, our mental capacity literally shrinks, like all of our energy, again, goes to our body and away from our brain. So the act, like you're saying, of just stopping to breathe literally slows down our system, resets our system with breath and with calm, and reactivates our ability to, to mentally engage and think more collaboratively and creatively. So yeah, wow, you're right. Just the act of breathing. So what else did you have? Did you have any other?
1: I didn't have any other ones. That was the main thing. As I said, I kind of end up just thinking about that, thinking about any other kind of polarity in light of, hey, are we slowed down? Are we examining it enough? Are we are we um, ready to draw in others? Are we doing this from a place of calm Mm
0: -hmm. or a place
1: of agitation? And calm and agitation are not polarities. (laughs) calm is a destination where we want to live agitation just creates havoc so they're they're not opposites it's it's much more a matter <laughs> of of where do we want to end up
0: okay so would you say then agitation is maybe more of a problem to be resolved in calm or a challenge, opp- yeah. opportunity, yeah. Okay, let's be yeah. clear about our problems and our polarities. <laughs> well, well you're I right. think we've landed
1: on something here. If learning to slow down and breathe mm-hmm. actually helps, mm-hmm. and we have a better capacity to distinguish between what is a problem and what is a polarity, mm-hmm. we have really been helped in our leadership.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. And just the objectivity to to see all that amidst, um, conflict and and change. So yeah, let's maybe talk a little bit about examples of polarities we've seen, just to kind of bring this into yes, some really practical context. What what would be some examples you would share, Mark, from your own experience?
1: I thought of two. Uh, one is related to a lot, of, a lot of the facilitation work that I do, mm-hmm. where you need to be able to move forward. And you need to be able to slow down enough that the key voices can be heard and included. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the go slow, go fast, um, take a step, don't take a step yet. Make sure you're, you know, on balance. That is a, a is a polarity to manage because with each step you take, something gets revealed, and you have to adjust or adapt to what's revealed. Which means those key voices need to be able to see it and understand it yet again before you take the next step. So that working back and forth between making sure all the eyeballs and all of the critical thinking is done and you're also not losing momentum. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's one big one that I live with all the time as we work with organizations. I have a personal one I'm living with now because polarities aren't just structural and systemic. So, mm-hmm. you know, that in the last couple of months, I've been going through a life change where I was diagnosed with celiac disease. And so now I have to change how I think about eating altogether. And what I'm learning, a polarity I'm learning is the difference between what we might say is uh, being hungry and also needing energy they're not mm. the same thing. So if I mm-hmm. go after hunger to, because my belly, uh, I'm feeling weak, my belly's empty, it's growling or whatever. If I wait until I feel that I can already be losing energy to the point that eating is not going to catch me up because I, I have so many fewer carbohydrates related to bread that I would have had in my life before. And so now I have to think about. How am I doing for the right amount of calories, but also managing energy Mm -hmm. so that I don't become very lethargic in the day? So this this I'll say it this way. The difference between hunger and lethargy are not Mm -hmm. the same thing. And Mm so I am I'm moving back and forth and managing it. Have I eaten enough that I'm not going to be hungry and weak? Have I eaten at the right time so that I am not getting to the middle of the day and just want to go take a nap? Mm -hmm. And, you know, over time, it's changing. and My body is changing. But that is a a key polarity I'm living with every day right now.
0: Mm, Yeah. Wow. How about you? Well, I thought, like you, a facilitation, uh, my facilitation work. And I just it just reminded me that, I mean, obviously, the goal is for us as leaders um, of organizations to be able to facilitate these kinds of navigating polarities in our teams, in our organization. And yet at the same time, there are times when as a leader, it can be helpful to engage someone else. Maybe we don't feel as equipped to do that. Maybe we feel a little caught up in the team dynamics ourselves, too caught up to actually have the objectivity to help our team and ourselves navigate that. So I just was reminded of the times that having someone like you or me, Mark, come in and just be able to help both the leader, CEO and the team navigate that could be a helpful reset Um, I thought of specific examples of that where people just couldn't hear each other anymore. They'd kind of gotten into a rut where, gosh, you guys always are concerned about execution. I'm always concerned about vision. And, you know, why do you keep dragging this down? And But then also I just thought of specific, again, pretty much all my consulting engagements have had this kind of a dynamic where at a strategic juncture, two things seem in opposite uh, Mm -hmm. as opposing forces. and. One example was working with a higher ed institution that knew that they needed to up their game in terms of digital learning and offering that. And yet their DNA as an organization was about a highly relational kind of mentoring context that happened on campus and in classrooms. So certainly with this need to to up their digital presence, there was conflict between professors who said, we can't deliver highly relational learning experiences online. Those are more transactional. Our classroom is more transformational. And so there developed this conflict between the two factions until by creating space, visiting some research, having constructive conversations, some of the research about actually a lot of students learn better online. They're less there is a there is a way that online learning can actually be transformational in how it's done and for certain types of students and and to find that kind of unifying thing in both contexts that was about delivering a transformational highly relational experience both in classroom and online and the whole thing just the dust settled and people were like okay if that's what we're doing we can do mm-hmm. that together so again that kind of magic moment where everybody knows that what we're protecting in our DNA, but that we're doing it in a way that embraces both of these things that can seem a conflict but aren't necessarily so. So those are mine. Wow, this was really fun and I hope really helpful for people, not just in leadership context in general, but in actual situations that we have. And we actually have some really great resources. We'll include links that Phil featured in his blog. There is a really great two-sheet or you know, one sheet polarity navigator that helps people kind of think through, maybe as a leader, you're in the middle of something and you just want to take some time and space to think through, okay, what's this faction? What's that faction? How do I navigate that in my own mind? There's, a, there's some great resources that we'll include in the links to make this even more practical for people.
1: I'd like to make one final comment then, Kristen, before we sign off. And that is, if we go back to breathing, inhale and exhale one way we can talk about that being played out structurally is the difference between action and reflection
0: Hmm.
1: so with reflecting we're stopping and we're inhaling
0: and when Mm -hmm. we move to
1: action we're exhaling and pressing forward but to learn from our action We have to stop and reflect. So it becomes like breathing or Mm -hmm. like walking. There's that pause between one leg landing and the next leg moving forward. And to be able to say, we must manage the action and reflection changes the questions we ask. We often ask, did we get anything done? And we're not asking the question, did we learn anything? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, we could probably think of some organizations that are stuck. And they're overanalyzing things and thinking that that is the equivalent of learning. So they're maybe asking, did we learn anything or are we safe or, or something along that line? And they don't get to, did we get something done? You know, was everybody included? But they're not asking, did we get something done? But in this case, it's not one question versus the other. It is the both to create the whole and the sense of momentum. Mm -hmm. underneath any of the polarities that are named here is the ability to live with this base polarity of action and reflection and for me that's again one of the takeaways or something to really underline here as we close wow so thank you Kristen, for joining me for this thank you all for listening as we rebroadcast phil berge's Sentiments About Polarities from His Leadership Meets Life Podcast, Episode 2. This is the Third Turn Podcast, where we are focused with long-term leaders who are concerned about succession and legacy and future value, and doing it with their grandchildren's grandchildren in mind. If you would like to know more about maestro-level leaders and our cohorts, Go to MaestroLevelLeaders.com. There's a short form to fill out. And Kristen or myself will be in touch with you personally. Farewell for now. This is for grandchildren's grandchildren.